Welcome to What's Past This Podcast. My name is Robert. I'm Damien. I'm Steve. And I'm James. And today we're joined by another special guest, Andy Littlefield from the Accelerator App. Hi, Andy. Hi, nice to be here. Hi, Andy. Thanks for joining us. And um, today we're going to be talking to Andy about um, one of Alan Bennett's Talking Heads plays, which he's been learning recently. And if that's your thing and you're watching on YouTube, why not like, comment and subscribe? Don't forget, if you're listening to us on any other platform, please hit that follow button. So, Andy, you've been learning Alan Bennett's Talking Head, uh, A Chip in the Sugar. Indeed, yes. Uh, I've been learning this. It's probably the most ambitious bit of learning off by heart I've ever done. It's 15 pages of dialogue. Wow. It's a monologue, so it's it's all me. Um, and, yes, it's, um, it's called A Chip in the Sugar by Alan Bennett. Um, it's, uh, it's uh, interesting, if, if, firstly, for the fact that although Alan Bennett wrote quite a lot of these type of plays, he wrote only a few of them for men, of which this is obviously one. Mm. Um, it's a typically layered piece of writing by uh, Alan Bennett. I think I don't want to give too much away about the plot, uh, just in case somebody happens to watch it. <clears throat> But I think the best thing to do is read a, a bit of the blurb on the back of the uh, script, which um, says that Graham, a middle-aged bachelor, emotionally stunted and chronically dependent on his mother, finds life difficult enough at the best of times. When mother meets an old flame and seems set to marry him, however, Graham's old insecurities rear the ugly heads again. Fate eventually rescues Graham and he resumes his normal life of banal muddle under his mother's amnesiac tyranny. I'm not sure I, I agree with all that, but that's the basic um, setup. And uh, I believe it's actually the f- the very first talking head, or or at least the the first that was released, right? Oh, I, I generally don't know that. So I was um, uh, I chose it because it was um, written for a man, uh, and it's quite complex. I know. Um, other people in the in the rep are learning other scripts also by Alan Bennett, but yeah. to be honest, I don't know. Yeah. I've seen um, that Alan Bennett himself has done this play once. It's, it's quite long. It lasts about 20 minutes, half an hour, uh, depending on how quickly you go through it. But uh, no, I, I don't know that answer that question directly, James. Yeah, I, it says, well, I, I looked it up bef- uh, a little while ago before we before we recorded this and uh, it says on wikipedia that um that it was yeah it was performed by by bennett originally and it was the first one uh and also that he he received a bafta for best actor at um in 1989 for this for his performance um in this oh interesting um well basically i think the 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 most important thing about this play I think is is possibly the most obvious point and that it is a monologue so all the information about this play and people who appear in the play come from the mouth of the narrator uh, Graham um, and he is a man who has issues and problems which come apparent in the in the course of the play so there are essentially uh, three characters there's Graham Whitaker himself uh, there's his mother, Vera, and there's um, her, his mother's boyfriend, or wants to be boyfriend, a man called Frank Turnbull. They're all, well, the mother is 72, the the, um, 
The boyfriend is a bit older, and Graham himself, as I mentioned just now, is middle-aged. Um, and um, Graham is a man who has issues, as I said. He's, um, he really is in control of his environment. Um, he thinks or believes he's in control of his mother, that his mother's utterly dependent on him. And when this new character appears, Frank, um, his nose is put badly out of joint uh, as a result. Um, and all the time you feel a tension, really, I think this is the idea, between what is real, what has actually happened, uh, on the one hand, and what Graham thinks has happened, or wants to have, believe has happened, on the other hand. There's a constant tension between the two. Right. Um, so um, the there's one scene right in the middle of the play where uh, there's a therapy session, and I think it's there partly for comedy purposes um, to lighten up the, the load of what is actually quite a serious play. But the group very quickly fastened on the points that uh, Graham isn't being totally open about himself and he doesn't like it. He, um, he's, not, he's lost control of the discussion uh, and he throws a bit of a sulk um, reading between the lines. Um, and similarly with his mother. Um, his mother, um, at least Graham, believes that his mother is um, on, on the verge of senility, that she's out of, that she, she's utterly dependent on him for all her needs and wants. Um, but at the same time, as, as I said before, you don't know if that's totally the truth, because whenever she actually speaks for herself, as it were, obviously it's all through his mouth, but when she actually gets the chance to speak for herself, um, she seems elderly. Uh, she seems uh, forgetful. She's not totally sure a cheeseburger is, um, but that's not necessarily a sign of senility. It's just a sign of, of an old person. Um, so it's possible he's telling the truth about her. It's also possible that he's not. Um, again, he is um, a man with mental issues, um, and that is referred to him by himself, and the mental issue seems to be that he's he's a bit paranoid, He's convinced that he's been watched, and he refers to it several times. And in the play, uh, every time he does, mentions this to his mother, um, she tries to change the subject very quickly. So she's obviously heard this before. And as it turns out, yes, they are being watched, and the person who uh, appears comes out with some startling information about um, her boyfriend, her fiancé, and that changes the whole the whole dynamic of the play but again you sort of think is this true Has, is there somebody actually watching the house and and come up with this information or is it something he wants to believe is true and is using it to end the relationship it's you're not totally certain what the situation is uh, so it's a very clever bit of play and also i don't want to give too much away uh, but i think it's fairly clear from early on, that that um, Graham's gay. All oh, right, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something he's trying to con conceal and control throughout the play. Right, um, but he right. sort of gives it away himself right at the very end. So I said I don't want to give too much away, but that that is a fairly um, central theme in the play, um, and um, he wants to control it. Wants to control access to that information all the time. So it's 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 quite clever. Um, and the third character is is, is Frank, um, Frank Turnbull. 
and there's clearly a bit of testosterone struggling going on between the two. Um, and um, Graham doesn't like him, but it also seems to be that, frankly, that's if, again, the problem is you don't know how much, how accurate the information is that you're being given. But it seems to be that Frank has been trying to drive a wedge between Graham and his mother, uh, trying to, he takes the mickey out of him very early on in their meeting. He doesn't go over to, totally well, but that might be what Graham tells him. So those three characters, the complexity of the relationships between Graham and his mother and mother and Frank and Frank and Graham is is quite quite complex. Um, and because it's just three characters, it's, it's a quite a clever bit of writing. The only problem I've had with it, um, notwithstanding the length, is that um, Alan Bennett's quite free between using the words he said and he says, he, he seems to switch between the two quite freely. And oh, I, I just mm. gave up in the end. I just said it myself, <laughs> as, it, as it appeared to me. Um, but that's, um, that's, that's, the main, that's the only issue I had with, with the actual writing. Yeah. And um, Alan Bennett himself is gay, isn't he? He is. I, I believe, yeah. He does have a, a live-in partner. Um, I, I, it'd be interesting to know how much of him is in Graham because he did a, a series of dialogues about his parents, um, um, about his mother and father and, and his relationship with them. Um, and uh, I've got a feeling that there's a, a bit of Graham, or a bit of Alan, rather, in, in Graham. Um, but Graham is, is a bit of a... a, bit of a uh, he's, he's a bit of a control freak. Again, I don't know um, to what extent that is reflected by Alan Bennett, but... Uh, Graham wants to control the situation around him all the time, and he can't. People keep getting away from him, as it were. Um, but yeah, you're right, James. Yeah, um, Alan Bennett is gay, and I'm sure there's an element of what he he of Graham in Alan, or whichever way it is, Alan in Graham. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the the thing you said about kind of that you the audience doesn't quite know what's real and, and what's not. I think it's kind of a common thing with a lot of these talking heads because because it's, as you say, it's being told from the perspective of one character and often the characters are quite flawed or they, they have something kind of wrong with them in a way and you're seeing it, you're, you're seeing their sort of warped view of the world from their perspective and the, as the thing goes through, you're trying to figure out what the reality is um yeah i think that's absolutely true and um as i said it's 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 easy on one hand to simply take the the narrative as it is and just accept his word but then you you think back and you think hang on is that true and uh, certainly when it comes to the the therapy session um is is quite it's quite funny in a way the way he does it and that's one thing also about alan bennett's uh, ultimately, the the message is quite serious, but he keeps putting in little lines which uh, are funny, and uh, and I think particularly about the therapy session that is definitely in for comedy purposes. Um, he's got one person who's uh, his age or a bit older. Uh, there's someone else who's who's um, a ex battered wife. Another one who's asking if um, um, 
if they're having sexual intercourse, and Graham really doesn't want to have <laughs> get involved in that discussion at all. Um, and uh, they're, they're all, it doesn't sound funny, but it is the way it's put together is is, is quite clever. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it's a definite it's a definite division uh, in 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 attention in the minds of of the audience. What is going on? Is this real or is this Frank or rather is this Graham? Um, Say what he wants to be the truth. Um, I've only seen one other of his Talking Heads one. I must admit. So this is um, I've I've seen quite a few Alan Bennett plays. I saw something called Habeas Corpus some time ago. All right. I saw the History Boys, um, which actually got a lot of very ripe language in it. Um, um, and uh, and that's again very much a flawed person at the end of it. So the Richard Griffith character. Um, was a, an inspired teacher, but also a, a bit of a, a paedophile, and you caught between the two, the two things. You know, you want you want the best for him because he's such a brilliant teacher. But on the other hand, you don't want the best for him because he's not good with boys. Um, and um, I think someone else saw. Is it Woman in a Caravan? Said it was utterly brilliant. Oh um, yeah, that's a good film. Yeah, is that the one with um, Maggie Smith? Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that is a brilliant film. I, I can never was... remember the actress's name, but yeah. I've watched the film and it's brilliant. Yeah, she was. That was the one in Harry Potter, wasn't she, Maggie Smith? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the way I had to think yeah. about it then was just Maggie from <laughs> The Simpsons <laughs> <laughs> and Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. yes. Oh, of course, yes, Downton Abbey. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and also um, the two plays of his that I've seen on well on stage broadcast were. Uh, Manus of George oh, yes. III. Is I've, his, I've, I've watched that one as well, yeah. Hmm. I, I enjoyed well, that one. Yeah. Good. Well, I haven't seen any of these, so I have to give them a watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. d- did you s- did you see uh, Alleluia as well? No. That was a year or two Didn't ago. See. No. Is um, that uh, on stage or a film or? It was uh, it was broad it was a broadcast. Oh right! Um, it was the only one because I I saw it here in here in Sheffield, and oh. it was the only time that I've managed not been able to get. It's the only time that I've not been able to get a ticket for the broadcast because it was so popular that it oh, right. sold out the entire cinema. Um, I mean, yeah. So I haven't quite realised just how popular Alan Bennett is <laughs> as a you know modern playwright. It's very northern as well. Um, his plays are very mm. much based in the north. Yeah, uh, yeah. The History yeah, Boys um, was one where James Corden first came to public view uh, as mm. an actor. All oh, right. Mm. Okay. I haven't seen that actually. What was that one called again? Sorry. The History Boys. Oh, the History Boys. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Um, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Added that to my. Uh, I've got a list of films that I uh, I want to watch. So yeah. Added that one to the list. Yeah, I keep um, making a list of other films to watch. <laughs> have, have you seen... I was wondering whether you watched... Um, because uh, in 2020, they produced uh, remakes of um, of the original Talking Heads. and oh, they, yes, they did. I'm uh, just looking yeah. at it. On Wikipedia, they did a version of A Chip in the Sugar with Martin mm. Freeman. Yeah. I was wondering if you watched that I haven't. No, I haven't. But uh, have you? Has anyone here watched it? I've seen some of them, but I haven't seen. I haven't seen that one. Um, I've only seen the the Chip and the Sugar one because I watched that one because 
uh, well, Andy, you, you was doing that one, so I, you know, I wanted to get an idea of what that was about um, before I listened to your version of it. Um, so yeah, that's 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 the only one I've seen. Was it was it good, Rob? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was good. Yeah. Um, was that the one with Martin Freeman in it or uh, Alan it was No, no, uh, Martin Freeman. Yeah, it's on um, iPlayer, I think. BBC. I have to watch him. I've seen the ones I've seen from this series. I saw the Imelda Staunton one, uh, Lady of Letters, okay. and Soldiering On. I think. Harry, Harriet Walter. Um, Did that anybody read um, A Hand of God? I haven't seen that one, no. All oh, right. That's because um, I've got that one, uh, which I was looking at doing, possibly. But that's actually, yeah, that's done from a, a female perspective, but um, uh, an owner of a, an antique shop. But we're going to, uh, it was suggested you can change that to a, a male owner rather than a female owner. So what I was looking at as a possibility. Still looking um, at it. Well, I've learned it in three sections because a lot of learning off. And I know Rob and yeah. Tom are hoping yeah. to come along and yeah. do the final yeah. section. All right. So, I'm so hoping... all right. you recorded a few bits already then? Oh, yeah, we've done two bits, but it's not been, yeah. not been put out, as it were, uh, because we've still got to do the last bits um, mm-hmm. when uh, Rob and Tom feel safe enough to do so. But uh, yeah. it's... Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay. It's it's a long old piece of work. <laughs> yeah, uh, the hand yeah. of God, the one I've got a copy of, is um, I think it's eight pages long. So it's nothing compared to yours. <laughs> oh, gosh, fifteen pages. Yeah, it goes on. Yeah, and no, on. half as long as yours. The one I've got. <laughs> well, that's good. Wish I'd done that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is good. I've enjoyed it. Um, yeah. That's, uh, I, I do like Alan Bennett's stuff. I, I must admit, he, he writes very literate type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, he doesn't tend to do the the um, romantic type stuff. It's all very much uh, this sort of thing, I suppose. That's because he's of his own sexuality. But he's not. He doesn't. He tends to write this sort of um, thing about um, lonely men, frustrated men, um, that sort of. I don't know about the women's side, but again, the women tend to be single women, don't they? Mm. So people on the sort of fringes of society almost. Yeah, they, that's that's right, James. Uh, I, I don't like losing the word user because I think we're all unique to ourselves. And I think he, he, he treats some people with a certain sympathy and compassion, which I like. Um, that uh, nobody's, nobody's really a loser. You just live life according to your own rules. And that's, um, that's what uh, he does. He does in this play. Um, but uh, at the same time, it is, it is, I suppose, a little bleak, you know, sort of you get this um, man and his wife and they, they, um, they uh, live, live life on their own and, and they go out looking at old buildings and so on. But there we are. It's <laughs> his life. Um, yeah. So you've, so you said you've recorded uh, sort of two parts of it. And so this was, this, this whole thing was a project that was it. Was it Tom's idea originally? It um, was Tom's to idea. I, I know he's got an idea of of whenever the Echelders finally opened up again, he wants to sort of try and use some of these as a way of, of getting things going. And I know uh, Donna's been. Um, oh yes, yeah, she has. Yeah, with one of them. Learning a bit, yeah, and I think yeah. he's hoping that uh, you, Stephen, and Lynn also do a bit of. Uh, this um so we get sort of four plays 
um, lined up. Which one was Lynn going to do? Do you know? I don't know. I'm actually not mm. sure which one Donna's doing. <laughs> I've seen a bit of it. No, I'm not sure. Um, do you know, Rob? No, I'm trying to because. Well, you should remember which one Donna's doing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's been it's been such a a long while, and do, it's. Do you want me to read the title, Steve? See if it triggers. Yeah, anything. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. An ordinary woman, the shrine, a lady of letters. Oh, Hannah, on. Hannah, wait, 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 wait. I just remembered, not in the list that you've just said, but it's Miss Fozard Finds Her Feet. That's oh, her yeah. one. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, right. ju- it just came into my head now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that's the one she's been doing. Um, uh, it, it, we're in the same situation as uh, uh, the same with Andy. We've we've recorded two parts of hers and still need to do uh, part three. Um, uh, but, you know, with the real life stuff happening, um, yeah. it would have been like unable to sort of do it. Otherwise, I think, you know, we would have got all of these parts recorded by now. Well, I must admit, um, in terms of staging, it's quite simple, isn't it, Rob? Basically, I'm sitting yeah. in a chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, staging isn't difficult. Yeah, uh, with the monologues, are fairly straightforward to do. I mean, obviously, there's not that much movement, and if there is, it's very little. Um, so you, you know, I think the difficult part is is for uh, the person, uh, you know, have to learn the lines, and because it's all one piece, um, you know, you more or less have to learn all of that. Um, because it's very um, difficult to sort of edit two parts together and make it look like one thing, um, unless you actually plan it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, so talking about the filming, uh, how have you found the filming, Andy? Um, oh, it's, it's been fairly straightforward. I mean, uh, for me, yeah. I mean, the main problem for me in terms of actual performance is that it's just me talking for 15 pages, about half an hour odd. And yeah. I'm very conscious that can get just possibly just a little bit boring for people watching. So um, I try and vary the voices a bit. So a voice for Mr. Yeah. Turnbull, a voice yeah. for the mother, mm-hmm. and a voice is for each of the people in the therapy group. And it's I'm just trying to get the voice consistent. So from one filming to another filming, it's it's... Mm. It sounds consistent to what I'm trying to do, as it were. Uh, and also, um, you know, is is it, it does it get boring for people just watching me spouting on and on and on? So um, I think that's why occasionally I, I get out of the chair and move and just try mm. and keep interest yeah. uh, in the in the yeah. different voices and in the just a bit of movements. Otherwise, yeah. inevitably, you know, I, I will get bored. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. Um, and also, as I said before, there's a bit of confusion in my mind. Sometimes he says, he said, and, and sometimes mm. he says or she says. And it just doesn't seem to be any real pattern to it. Um, I suppose I suppose one of the things you've got to think is who's actually, who actually am I talking to? And I think it's not, it's not, um, it's not, there's no criminal case involved. So it's obviously not the police. So I've I came to the conclusion I'm actually talking to a social worker or a, or a, a psychiatrist, and okay. just trying to, or therapist, and just trying to unburden myself a bit. So, and that's why sometimes the the truth about me sort of slips out, uh, rather than 
um, me just consuming it all the time. Uh, so I think um, that's one of the issues. You, who am I talking to? Who is this addressed for? Um, and that's why sometimes it doesn't really matter if I say he says or he said. It doesn't matter. It's just me talking off the top of my head all the time. <clears throat> so, um, and I suppose at the same time, it does help to keep the um, the audience on their toes. Um, yeah, it's um, not easy. <laughs> it's it's no. interesting you said that, actually, because I, I hadn't thought about that before because I, I kind of would have always thought about it as kind of almost like breaking the fourth wall or something like you're talking directly to the audience so it's yeah it's interesting to think of it as like who if this if you're not talking to the audience who are you talking to it's an interesting question and i wonder if that would what what, whether that conclusion would vary depending on which which play it is you know oh a good question and also i think it might vary in terms of whether you're talking to on a film or whether it's in the theater and in a film I mean, you're talking to a camera, basically, so it's, it's, uh, there's no fourth wall yeah. involved. Whereas in a theatre, the one thing I'm told often, anyway, is, is you never break the fourth wall. You're talking, you don't talk directly to the audience. But in a sense, the audience is part of the performance. I've got to talk to someone, um, and the audience is, the, uh, is, is obviously it. So it's sort of built into the, the whole structure that you've got to break the fourth wall. You've got to talk to the audience. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's the big difference between a normal play and a, a monologue or even a panto. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Again, the panto is all about involving the audience, isn't it? So it's uh... yeah. In a way, the audience. Yeah. In a way, the audience has kind of become a character of its own. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Especially, you know, I think with with these plays, the thing is that they're also very funny. And so, if I can imagine that performing these live would would you know solicit kind of laughter, uh, one would hope. So, uh, so obviously there would be a kind of communication because you'd have to every time they'd laugh, you'd have to pause and and uh, mm. yeah, and yeah, yeah. stuff. You know, yeah. well, I think that's 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 a lot of that depends on how a professional actor. I think would probably get a bit more laughs. Out of it, um, that's very difficult. I remember watching years ago, watching um, "Waiting for Godot." Oh yes, and is that oh, su- yes. that's supposed to be a comedy? Is it? Yeah, did you? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I did in school. Yeah, well, I say I did it in school. I just did a, a section of it for the drama exam. Um, it was yeah, got a bit confused with it for a while. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's all one lines. I mean, I, I don't know. You obviously know the play, Steve, but it's all one lines apart from one very long speech. Yeah. From someone mm-hmm. ironically called Lucky, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and Lucky it has a speech which declines into utter gibberish. I mean, it goes on for pages. But <laughs> I don't know what you found, Steve. But it seemed to me that if anyone was taking part in that play, you'd have to learn the whole play because it's um, it's, yeah. it's all, all yeah. one lines all the way through it. Yes. Um, yes. But also in the production I saw, uh, it was professional actors, but they weren't that good. Uh, and it rapidly got very boring, you know. Sort of, you just, um, yeah. you just wanted the play to end. There was one character yeah. saying, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, "I've got to go now," and I've got to say, "Go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. It's it's funny. I read the script. I I've never seen it performed, but I read I read the book, and it's it's there's lots of bits where because because it's tons of stage direction, so it's it people keep saying, "I'm off." 
and then the stage direction says he doesn't leave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. He sits down. Um, um, it's a, but it's a very like it, on the page. It's very, very bleak. I think for the most part, like there's a lot of very, very kind of dark and yeah. It's one of, one of the most bizarre plays I've ever read. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think uh, it's it's difficult to to follow. And yeah, I think I I just turned up to that play. I should have read it before, like like you said, uh, because I might have had a bit more understanding what what to expect. Um, but it was it is kind of a bleak play, and I, I can't help feeling that in a way. Alan Bennett is very um, influenced by that sort of play because there's a lot of oh. that sort of humour and sort of black dark humour in in them. Um, in Chip and the Sugar, um, as there is in uh, Waiting for Godot. Um, yeah. There's this one particular line at the end of Waiting for Godot that sticks, or always sticks in my head because it is like just incredibly big. I think it's, um, it's the, uh, Pozzo, is that the character? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his his last line before he leaves. Uh, I oh, Hang on. Uh, talk, talk amongst yourselves. I think I've got a copy of the script. I want to. Give it a <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see what it is. <laughs> and there's Estragon, Estragon and Vladimir. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. this poor guy called Lucky. <laughs> yeah, uh, whichever one I played, I can't remember which one it was. Now, it might have been Vladimir, but my character I was given to wear because they're both sort of. It wasn't a police. Sort of... It wasn't a policeman character, was it? Not quite, but <laughs> we were both sort of tramps, and uh, the character I played, um, I, I was given a, uh, a tattered old policeman's coat to wear. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, there we are. A police-ish character, as always. Yeah. Our whole career opened up. <laughs> <laughs> when aren't you giving a police, uh, when aren't I you giving a policeman know. outfit, Stephen? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is 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 playing police officers like your favourite uh, kind of character to play, Steve? And why not? He's good at it. I remember <laughs> there was a a play called Murder to Death, and he played a policeman. Oh, in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, was. Yeah, Andy, do you, do you definitely think that Stephen's um, typecasted as a policeman? Huh. Well, I think it, uh, yeah, I think he. Well, I think you should go for it, Steve. And <laughs> sign up with an agent. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Have you got the line now, James? No, I don't think. I think I left my script in Wales. Um, <laughs> I, basically, the line I, I believe the line is um, he says completely out of completely out of nowhere. He says they give birth astride of a grave. The light flickers for an instant, and then it's night once more. And then he leaves, and it's just like it comes out of nowhere, and it's just like this incredibly bleak. <laughs> thing and it's I I just read that and I was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> but yeah as I said it's supposed to be partly a comedy you know it's supposed to be a few laughs in it and I couldn't I couldn't see him <laughs> I think I I believe um, there was a production of it a few years ago with um, uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen that I think they did in in really? rap with um yeah, do, do you remember seeing Stephen um, a broadcast? The two of them did a broadcast of Pinter's No Man's Land. Um, I did. Uh, I didn't see it, but I remember seeing advertising. Yeah, you did see it. I'm sure you did. Oh, did I? I do yeah. recall. I, yeah, I, I do recall seeing something. Yes, 
No, you mentioned it, yeah. It was when we were doing Peter Pan. Yeah. Um, was it the one with Patrick Stewart in it? Yeah. Yeah, and they did the two plays. They did that on Waiting for Godot. The, the two of them did that in kind of, in rep. And uh, I believe, I think I saw the trailer on online and it is, you know, it obviously was being played as a comedy. And, uh, but but then the, the comments on the, the, the video uh, were like, this is disgraceful. It's not supposed to be funny. It's <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I think they misread the play. Um, yeah, because that's actually yeah. not, another person I've never really um, listened to is uh, Samuel Beckett. I've I've always oh, been yeah. slightly intimidated by by his reputation as being a bit obscure. Uh, so maybe I ought to um, get stuck in. Um, I'm trying to read uh, Ulysses at the moment, and that's that's slow going as well. So I think a lot of those plays of that sort of period are, are obscure. <laughs> I can't think of another word. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely kind of avant-garde, I suppose, might be. Avant-garde. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Even for now. Andy? Yeah? Have you had an interest in plays and acting all your life, or...? Well, yes and no. Uh, I've uh, I've always I've tried to do it in the past, but it wasn't until I came to Hollyhead to live that I really summed up the nerve to actually get involved. So the acting I did here was the first acting, real acting I've ever done. Oh right! Uh, and I must admit, I've enjoyed it a great deal. Um, so uh, the first one we did, what was the first one we did? Um, uh, it was that one where Who Killed Father Christmas? Was that oh the one? yes, Who Killed Santa? Uh, yeah, Who Killed Santa? Yeah, Who Killed Santa? That's right. Um, yeah. And uh, I hope, well, I have enjoyed it. That's that's the number one thing. Yeah. I know I'm a bad actor. You can edit that word out if you like. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoy the whole thing. I enjoy the uh, yeah. I enjoy the read through. I enjoy the rehearsing. I enjoy the performance. I enjoy absolutely everything. Mm. Um, and I don't know. I've been there, what Steve, about four years now. I think. Um, and we've done quite a few yeah, plays wow. in that time. Yeah, we have, yeah. Do you have any particular favourites that you've done or favourite characters that you've played? Does yeah, play? my absolute favourite was Abigail's Party. I loved that play. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, you were opposite at Caroline, weren't you? You were playing husband and wife with Caroline. Caroline, that's right, I was. I played um, God, I mean, Lawrence, that's right. Lawrence, oh, yeah. you're not well. Yeah. And I was uh, dying of a heart attack. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Lawrence was, uh, I mean, um, Caroline was absolutely awesome in that role. I thought she was fantastic. But I loved it because the, again, you had um, ordinary people in an, an extraordinary situation, how they reacted to it. So you had, um, in that case, five people. You had uh, two couples and, and a, a stranger and they were yeah. um, forced into this flat because a party was carried on in another flat so they couldn't stay there. Uh, and um, Four of them were getting more and more and more pissed while me, my character, was out sort of doing something else. So when I came back into that house, um, uh, the, the, what's the name? What was the name of the host? I can't remember the name. Um, oh, Caroline's character, you mean? Um, yeah. What was her name? We had this exact same conversation uh, <laughs> when we did the episode with Lynn. She, uh, we, we were talking yeah. about this, and we couldn't remember the name of that character either. Then um, Beverly. Her name was Beverly. I just just came to me. Um, and yeah. uh, she started flirting with someone else, and I, I wasn't amused. Oh yeah, Mike's character, yeah. Mike's character, yeah. And um, 
And uh, Beverly started really misbehaving rather badly. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't take the stress, of stress. So there was a huge row. And then I had a heart attack at the end of this row. And well, the point of it, though, was that you had ordinary people in an abnormal situation. Uh, and also they were all extremely drunk by the end. So was, they, they lost control of what the, the way they would normally have behaved. Um, I thought that was a wonderful play. I still do. And mm. I thought it was on television, wasn't it, with, um forget her name, um, Alison, Alison something. Oh, Alison, uh, Alison. Uh, she was in uh, Gavin and Stacey. Alison Stedman, thank you. <laughs> she was fantastic in that role, but I still think Caroline was far better. She was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um and that one I, I really enjoyed. Uh, I've enjoyed them all. I uh, enjoyed Drinking yeah. Habits, which I know you, you were in. Um, oh, yes. And that was fun. That, yeah, yeah. Was, fun. <laughs> that was a typically um, amateur play in that everyone had a good crack at something. Uh, and yes, did, yeah. you know, all the roles were more or less equal. And I enjoyed the, the follow-up, yeah. which we did on a Script Club uh, a week or so ago. Yeah, and uh, that looked a good play. I, I thought I will happily have a go at that one, uh, and, and for the same reason. And also, the first one was very popular. People really came. Oh, in, yeah, yeah. Mm. probably one of the most popular plays we've done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think we enough. had like full houses on all three nights. I think with yeah with that one. I think I think yeah. we did. Yeah, and we did another one which uh, was the last panto a little grimly, and I quite enjoyed that one. But uh, oh yes, we had a terrible, terrible house that night so there's only about 10 people turned <laughs> up which was a real shame but yeah yeah it was quite good yeah mm -hmm. um but i've enjoyed them all really yeah well talking about audience numbers um uh, i know for me um the way i feel before i go on stage like uh either people are saying oh there's this amount of people there blah blah, blah. and i'm like i don't really want to know like you can mm -hmm. tell me after the show yeah but before the show before i go on stage i don't want to know so um i'm just wondering how do you feel about that andy do you do you do you mind knowing how much uh how many people's out there or well i must admit rob i do like to know i from yeah, from yeah. both points of view yeah i i usually have a look out and and ask <laughs> and and they say that normally uh, you double up the number of people who are pre-booked. So, oh yeah. But oh, yeah. having said that, Rob, it's, it's usually if we get forty, uh, that's a good house. Uh, mm -hmm. And at um, drinking habits, it was about it was full house as you said, about eighty, ninety mm -hmm. people, which is about as much as yeah. the theatre can hold. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, I've been I've been where a, a group turned up, a group called Blackheart, and um, there were about five or six people in the audience. It was very embarrassing. I sort of. Mm. Uh, we tried to applaud as loudly as we could just to help them feel a bit better about it. But it was, it's not, it's a bit dispiriting. If I take what you said, Robert, it is a bit dispiriting mm. if um, there are not many people there watching it. And one thing mm -hmm. I wish yeah. they'd do is if they wouldn't let people sit right at the back. If there's going to be a small house, rather they all sat at the front. Mm -hmm. um, but he doesn't rope off the back seat, so you get some people sitting right at the very back of the theatre. What are they doing up there? <laughs> good. Yeah. No good to me. <laughs> yeah, I th I think it's like with with you know obviously we do a lot of pantos and it's um it's always so much more difficult to to do a panto to a small crowd because yeah, of the true. the interaction and yeah. so it's I always like to know before we start and it's 
it's always nice when they say, oh, yeah, it's sold out today yeah. or whatever. And there was one last, not not last Christmas, Christmas before that um, that I, th- I think it's sold out and they, they had to cram in extra seats and then got about 140 in wow. or something like that. And that was that was really kind of exciting. And, which which um, panto was that? Where's, do you remember? That was, that was Aladdin. Oh, was it? Nice. Very good. Didn't realize yeah. it was Aladdin. <laughs> that was pre- that was one prior to that, a pre- a previous to that. I think that was uh, Alice in Wonderland. Did you do one bit like Alice in Wonderland? Uh, you were in it, Steve. I remember that. Oh yeah, we did. Oh Alice yeah, Alice in Pantaland. Alice yeah. in Pantaland. Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, just, just me and you. The, the other seven. No, they weren't there. No, no. no. The, no. <laughs> you shone on stage, be, both uh, of you. <laughs> I think I played about, like, well, typical Anvil, about two or three different characters, as did you, David. One, two, three, four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of them had an incredibly quick change. Yes, like, it did, yes. Un- around five seconds, yeah. off stage, mm-hmm. on stage, new costume. Yeah. Mm. Uh, how how did you find playing four characters in one play? Oh, fun. Yeah. Fun, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's It's fun. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's typical uh, Anvil style, though, really. Yeah, pretty <laughs> Was it? Yeah. yeah. How much preferred I think as soon as we... Did you ever have that with Anvil, James? Did you ever play more than one? Um, did I? I don't think no, you did. No, I don't think she only... trusted me with more than one. <laughs> <laughs> I did with, with The Tempest. I played, I played two. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, that I, was the only time. I think yeah. generally I got given a nice single role with yeah. very minimal Panto, costume yeah. changes. Yeah. And, in Panto. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think one of the things when we started hereafter and, and it was, like, you know, I was kind of starting to plan what I was going to do with the script for, for Aladdin. Um, I wrote a big sheet of... Uh, I wrote a big, long sort of word document of things that I wanted to do and things that I didn't want to do. And one of the big things was I don't want people playing five different characters. I want it to just be one person per character. Yeah. And uh, just I I prefer it like that. Um, yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. I know yeah. she was, yeah. and was thinking of asking me to do something in Twelfth Night once, but uh, I, I was too too many commitments, so I didn't mm. take it up. Uh, that's the closest I ever got to doing anything for for Anvil. Um, I can imagine you as a uh, Sir Andrew. Yeah. Or, or, or yeah, I was thinking, yeah, one of them. That's what I was thinking as well, James. <laughs> it was one of those roles, yeah, Ag- yeah. Ag- Chick or yeah. Toby Belch or something yeah. like that. I was trying to remember the names yeah. before saying it, and then James said it, so that was handy. <laughs> that was, <laughs> was fortunate. I think he was right as well. Have you have you ever done any Shakespeare's, Andy? No, I haven't, and I'd love to, but I, I know the problem. I, we only have about six regular members in, in the Hilda Rep, and that's yeah. too few. Shakespeare has a, typically quite a big cast list, and, it does, uh, yeah. Yeah. and it'll be difficult to do without doubling up quite a bit. And yeah. I was hoping yeah. that um, Hilda and Anvil would sort of get together and do a combined yeah, production. So yeah. Well, there was talk of that, actually. I had suggested yeah. it a couple of times. I think I might have spoken to you about it, Andy. See what you thought of it, didn't I? Yeah. There's, there's no reason well, why uh, there's no reason why Hadrap and Hereafter Productions no, can true. do something together. That's mm. true. And actually, Lynn was talking recently. She said she really wants to do production of Merry Wives at some point. Yeah. And and I think it was something that she said. You know, well, if we if we pull together uh, the rep 
and hereafter and like people from script club and you know yeah. all these different people it <clears throat> might well be be doable yeah yeah um potentially would be would be nice it would be um are there any particular shakespeare plays that you'd like to do in a in an ideal world well for me my absolute favorite is tempest and it's a oh. wonderful play oh. and wonderful 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 language um mm. but the, the main problem is um for for me anyway for an amateur shakespeare's difficult and and uh it has to for a professional um group it's one thing for an amateur group it can drag a bit unless people can really work at the poetry and and the pace of the thing mm. um because it, otherwise it can it can be an awful i went to an awful drag i went to an amateur production once the 12th night and it was terribly slow um and mm. um that's the problem with Shakespeare um, for me. Um, so, and also the main thing about Mary uh, Wise of Windsor or Twelfth Night, you get a central character who really has to dominate the stage and the theatre. Uh, and yeah. mm. I don't know if you've got anyone that that sort of personality. Um, I mean, for instance, in Mary Wise of Windsor, you've got Falstaff, of course. And oh, yeah. whoever oh, yeah. plays Falstaff has not only has to have physique, has to have a huge personality to dominates everything and oh, um what did you say about physique i didn't hear that um that'd be big and fat oh <laughs> if right. you feel you qualify right. steve that's fine i wasn't thinking about myself thank you <laughs> thank you though andy <laughs> i'll tell you what though if if i was to if if we were to do uh, the tempest i would love to go i would love to redo my role as trinculo oh Oh right. The, uh, mm. Yeah, you were good at that. Cool. Yeah. You were good at that. No offense. Yeah. I thought it was it yeah, it's like um I think the problem with the Tempest is for me it's that big scene right near the start that it, it's very long and very exposition heavy and it's it can drag because <laughs> it's just Prospero explaining the plot. Yeah. Um well, Prospero yeah. is the central role as well, but you're right, see, there is that scene. Uh, and Prospero, it has to be a, a character who can fill the stage with his personality yeah. um, because he's yeah. he's so important to the whole thing. Um, I do love it, so I think it's a wonderful <laughs> play. I th- yeah, I, th- I think like each time I see have seen it subsequently since doing it, I think, yeah, it's just like the language is so beautiful, you know, even if the plot is a little static. Yeah. A little static, yeah, it is, you're right. Um so yes, I'd love to do Shakespeare, but I think it, there's a few technical problems um, to to doing it. But if you could get enough people together, then why not? Let's go for it. Mm, uh, I think so. they, used, I think they used to do a lot of it, didn't they, under Mira, um, before Tom? But Tom's tastes yeah. tend to be more modern. And also, since I've been a member, we've tended to specialise a lot in light comedies, um, and which is fine because it does the sort of play which does attract the, the audiences, but um, I'd love to do something a bit more substantial, um, huh? like we've done in Script Club, you know. So um... yeah. Well, actually, it leads me on to something I wanted to ask about, which was uh, since the um, the pandemic, which we try not to talk about on this podcast. But, um, <laughs> but you've already since, named it. Tut, tut, tut. You're the only one that mentions it all the time. I'm, I'm allowed to yeah. mention it once per episode. <laughs> no, you're not. Tut, tut, tut. Since then, <laughs> Since then, uh, one of the projects that that some of us have been a part of is uh, Lynn's. Um, well, not Lynn's, but 
uh, the Zoom plays that uh, Lynn brought to, oh, yes. to us. I was wondering what that experience was like for you, have uh, performing in a, a new medium. Oh, I enjoyed it. Um, it's, uh, it's, um, trying to remember what, who it was. Um, it was, it was different. Uh, it was different in that, uh, Zoom plays, there was often a delay, um, between one person speaking and the next person speaking. Yeah. Um, there were technical yeah. problems, weren't there? Um, yeah. And also, yeah. um, the, the signal sometimes broke down. Uh, yeah. there was a, a, a yeah. It was fortunate in a way that the play was written specially for that particular situation, um, and um, you could see the um, you could see a problem if if we tried to do anything like that in in real life, as it were, they'd have to rewrite the whole thing. Uh, but as a way of keeping in touch, keeping some sort of acting uh, going, uh, I could see the point. Uh, and yeah. also, no, no one, including me, actually learnt their lines off. It was all reading from the page so often all you saw was the top of somebody's head as they as they read the lines from the script um it's uh i mean there were technical problems i i thought i enjoyed doing it so it was fun um yeah, yeah. but i yeah. think um as a way of of as a as a medium for performance in it had its drawback i think if i was mm. if it was to be done a more regular thing i would insist on people learning their lines and performing looking at the camera I think that would have made a lot, a lot of sense. Um, well, we, since the uh, oh, I can't say I've already said it once. Um, Don't you over try the last, it? Over the last <laughs> year or so, yeah. I'll say that over the last year we've we've been as as hereafter we've been doing kind of radio plays and and sort of short stories and things like that, and that's been a similar kind of experience of creating things on online. As it were, uh, similar to how we to how we record this with microphones at, at home and stuff like that, and um, I think that's yeah something that we we hope to continue in the future. But it's, we've we do have uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, um, Andy, but we've we've got a project, a fairly big kind of radio play project in the works at the moment. Oh yes, we were hoping that you'd uh, hoping that you'd uh, take take part in if uh, if you were yeah. interested i'd love to i'd Thank love you. to great Absolutely. yeah awesome okay and uh, now it's time for this week's quiz this week i am reading the questions and today's questions are some uh, shakespeare questions so i'm going to read five quotes from shakespeare plays you just have to answer which play uh, each of these quotes is from, and um, uh, and so I'll read I'll read the questions and then I'll go through the answers at the end. So uh, write down your answers as we go through. Okay, question one: Some Cupid kills with arrows, some with traps. Question two: Better a witty fool than a foolish wit. Oh, I think that's okay. Question three. Their manners are more gentle, kind, than our generation you shall find. Okay, question four. Look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it. Okay, and finally, question five. A little more than kin, but less than kind. Oh, I know that one. Right. 
I am struggling. I must admit, they were tough. That's tough questions. Yeah, those were tough ones, James. Where did you get this from? Um, Obscureshakespeare.com. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the answers. Question one was some Cupid kills with arrows, some with traps. That was from Much Ado About Nothing. I've got a place starting with the same letter. Does that count? <laughs> uh, you can have half a point. No, don't do <laughs> no, that. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no, no. Okay. okay, question two was better a witty fool than a foolish wit. That was Twelfth Night. Yes, I got one. Uh, question three: Their manners are more gentle, kind than our generation. Than of our generation, you shall find that was from the Tempest. Oh. Uh, Gonzalo, that, that's uh, I just checked that one. Uh, Gonzalo, and it's Act Three, Scene Three. If in Naples I should report this now, would they believe me? Uh, it's in that that line. Uh, question four: Look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it. Was Macbeth? Oh, uh, I don't remember that. What have you got? Have you got a quote? It's uh, Lady Macbeth. She's um, it's the bit where she's uh, first trying to convince him to kill, uh, kill the king. King Duncan, yeah. Uh, the line is, "Oh, never shall son that wow. morrow see your face, my thane, is a book where men may read strange matters to beguile the time. Look like the time. Bear welcome in your eye, your hand, your tongue. Look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it. He I that's coming must be remember. provided for. Blah 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 blah." Anyway, question five. Um, and finally, question five. A little more than kin, but less than kind, was Hamlet. Yay! Got two. Okay, Andy got two. Uh, Damien, how many did two. you get? Uh, Stephen? I got nil. Yay! <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Rob? Uh, Robert? I got two, surprisingly. <gasps> You're dead? Oh, Which a, means, <laughs> guys... What? Well, <laughs> that means that Stephen is this week's big loser. Yay! Yes, I'm, see, I'm, I'm, I'm not always the loser, you know. When you don't ask me about bloody musicals. Right, next week's quiz is about musicals. See, I feel guilty. <laughs> not really. See, I, I feel guilty on you. You can have the point that we decided not to give you from earlier. <laughs> still not going to help me. <laughs> well, Stephen, that means you get to do next week's quiz. Okay. Ah, and that sound means that we have reached the end of this episode. And, uh, well, thank you, Andy, for being our guest. Um, Hope you enjoyed it. Goodbye, everyone, and thank you for having me. I had a great time. Enjoyed it very much. And, uh, yeah, well, we hope you guys, as the listeners, viewers, uh, have enjoyed it also. And if you did, then you know what to do. Uh, Like the video subscribe to the channel and comment down below and if you are listening on any of the platform then please hit that follow button and this podcast is now available on most streaming platforms why not check us out on itunes podcast and don't forget to check out the links in the description below for our other channels and websites it's a au revoir from me and it's a goodbye from me and a goodbye from me and to play us out, um, we mentioned again the Zoom plays earlier, so here's the uh, music that I wrote for the Zoom plays. And uh, it's a big 
French goodbye from me. See you next time. Ta-ra.